0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today, we're going to be discussing book two of The Two Towers, otherwise known as book four of Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Chapter one, The Taming of Smeagol. I'm John.
1: I'm Katie.
2: And I'm Chase. All
1: right.
0: So if you are familiar with the podcast, as I assume everybody listening to a random chapter in the middle of the book would be, we're going to start with Today in Middle-Earth and Elvish Word of the Day. We're going to then go over to Chase for a quick recap of last week's reading. Although this week we do have a slight alteration in our plan cuz after Chase catches up us up with last week, we're going to pause and celebrate Tolkien Reading Day, which is tomorrow, the 25th of March. I almost said May, that is not correct. Not quite. March. And then we will get into the uh bread and potatoes. Wait, meat and potatoes. <laughs> bread and potatoes if you are a vegetarian, I suppose. <laughs> the the uh, Satan and potatoes of this week's episode. Like I said, chapter one, the Tammy Smeagle. So Katie, you want to take it away? Today is May, not March, May. No, March, not <laughs> May 24th. <laughs> today's My apologies. Today's
1: March 24th. Yeah, we're, we're going to go with that. Um, so on this day, I just
0: really want it to be warm. You're ready
1: for May already. Well, alas, it's we're not quite there yet. Um, so once again, just a quick reminder that all of these Today in Middle Earths for the month of March are a little bit spoilery, or at least as spoilery as we can get with a, a book that's 60 years old. Um, but anyway, uh, today on March 24th, what happening, what's happening right now is the host is camping in the desolation of the Morannon. Um, additionally, Frodo and Sam are making their last journey towards Mount Doom. Um, See.
0: I've just been spoiled. I've studied so much Italian art history that the second you said the host, all I could think of was the communion.
1: <laughs> no, I'm talking as in the armies.
2: <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. I was really confused too there for a second. Have you never
1: like, heard of like an army referred to as the host? Y- y- yeah?
0: Yeah? That's like surprisingly domestic. That's what
1: I was that's 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 what I was using it. But in in You're in, better at
2: the words than me. <laughs>
1: In, in bigger news, however, and once again, spoiler alert, tomorrow being March 25th, tomorrow is when it all goes down, basically. Um, and I'm going to leave one very specific detail out uh, that's mighty spoilery that I will love to talk about when we get there, uh, but we're quite a ways away. But uh, the short and long of it is that tomorrow is the fall of Barador and of Sauron. So that's where we are in real life. Um, what would be happening on this day.
0: If the specific detail that you're referring to is the specific detail that I'm thinking of, <laughs> I will say that I spoiled it for myself when I was 12 years old by reading the appendices. Oh, no. I know. Well, we'll get there it anyway. Like March tw- it was like March 25th. The blank is blanked by a blank. And I was like,
1: what? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it'll be a while before we get to talk about that b- particular We're bit of blank, deliciousness blank. yeah mm-hmm. um but also another fun thing fun fact that just happened to uh take pass uh take pass take place on take, that day uh... <laughs> katie has words um was uh thorin and gandalf's chance meeting at the prancing pony in brie so that's another interesting little tidbit of how how uh what 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 things were going on at different times, but on the right. same day.
2: Because eventually we'll be building right back into The Hobbit. Yep. Oh, that's, that's crazy. And you'll
1: hear all of these dates again. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I need to remember, because I don't remember much. <laughs>
0: um, It's almost like the road goes ever on and on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're back. just going to have to began. No. When we finish this, we're just going to have to sit- so, In a so, great so, big circle. Still so early in again.
1: <laughs> no, when we finish, I have more in store. Oh. Um. But uh, anyway, so now I'm going to just segue right on into Elvish word of the day. Uh, And I picked a word that um, I can hopefully work into the episode later uh, if I remember to do so. And the word that I picked is Anna. And that is the Sindarin word for gift.
2: I'm I'm doing the hoops and hurdles to figure out what you meant. What I'm going to refer How, to. Yes.
0: <laughs> You'll have to wait and see. I, yes. I, I think I know. <laughs> I think I can uh, put two ends together and <laughs> tie up my idea. Hey.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. 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 Now, now it hit me. It hit me.
0: All right. Chase. Um, what happened
2: last week? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. We finished, the, <laughs> we finished book three. We finished book three. And. What happened in the last book, Chase? And. <laughs> This is a section I read. It feels like a million years ago. Pippin looked into the palantir, mm-hmm. which they found previously in the previous chapter. But he looked at the palantir and had in the came in the presence of Sauron, but didn't reveal anything. And then him and Gandalf got on shadowfax and headed towards Gondor. Mm-hmm. That's basically it.
0: Yeah, we learned a little bit about the mechanics of the Palantir, but no need to catch us yeah. up on that. And with that, let's go into Tolkien Reading Day. Uh, thank you for those of you who sent us some clips. I'm going to start off by reading the other John. But first, I uh, want to just,
1: uh, once again, reminder of what Tolkien Reading Day actually is. Um Before we actually do the thing. So, yeah, once again, March 25th, which is actually tomorrow, um, is Tolkien Reading Day. Again, once again, because it was the downfall of Sauron. So we uh, celebrate it every year, um, thanks to the Tolkien Society's brilliant idea um, of reading your, your, your favorite passages from from Tolkien's works and there's often each year there's a different theme too and this year's theme of course you know your your favorite passage doesn't have to pertain to the theme of course it can just be a favorite but anyway uh the theme of 2016 is life death and immortality and I think we can be sure that there are quite a a, a, a few gems on that subject throughout uh... in that
0: case mine's kind of perfect then in that case the yeah, the passage I picked up. Good because really mine well. is too. <laughs> I remember last year th- last year the theme was yeah. friendship, which was really appropriate because it was still kind of the beginning yeah.
1: of our podcast. So anyway, with that I love you guys. We're friends.
2: we <laughs> been friends for a very long time too. So. With that,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh thank you to the other John who we actually emailed and just had a lovely conversation about Star Trek last week. <laughs> um I appreciate you giving me primacy as John and you can be the <laughs> other John, but for now you're gonna be John, John and I'll be the other John. John and John too. So this yes um he was also very nice because he didn't want to spoil chase so he picked something out of uh the tale of alderion and erandus and the unfinished tales and here's the portion he's not slightly truncated when all had gone down again alderion and erandus remained behind and they looked out seeing all the isle of westerness laid green beneath them in the spring do you not love the Yoseyan? she said i love it indeed he answered Though I think that you doubt it, for I think also of what it may be in time to come, and the hope and splendor of its people, and I believe that a gift should not lie in a hoard. But Erendis denied his words, saying, Such gifts as come from the Valar, and through them from the One, are to be loved for themselves now and in all nows. We cannot dwell in the time that is to come, lest we lose our now for a phantom of our own design. Then taking suddenly the jewel from her throat, she asked him, would you have me trade this to buy me other goods that i desire no said he but you do not lock it in a hoard. yet i think you set it too high for it is dimmed by the light of your eyes then he kissed her on the eyes and in that moment she put aside fear and accepted him and all of their troth was plighted upon the steep path
2: of the Menaltarma. tarma that's from the Unfinished Tales? Yeah, so yeah. that
1: that is uh, in particular yes. it's from the the tale of the Mariner's wife. Okay. Um and it's about so uh Aldarion is the 6th king of Númenor and uh and sorry, um Erendis was his wife. Um and uh that particular story Um, was all about, uh, so Aldarion has this great love of the sea and, uh, that's the mariner, right? Um, and, uh, would like to go off and explore and, uh, Erendis often waited at home, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's an intriguing tale. You should read it. But that particular passage I really like, um, with, with the, uh, kind of subtext that you can take of it, of, um the whole living in the now thing right
0: it actually reminds me of a bit from philip glass's 1976 i think it is uh experimental opera einstein on the beach it is the last scene it's called knee five uh and it's just a guy narrating over some music and it's two lovers sitting on a park bench do you love me she asked and she asks him to quantify and he says you know Number the stars in the sky, measure the waters mm-hmm. of the ocean with a teaspoon, and I don't know something about hearing me read it kind of made me think of. I think I was unconsciously basing <laughs> the way I was reading it on that recording. So you should all go listen to Nee Five for mine Down the Beach. Also, I might be a little bit obsessed. Oh, with you don't glass, you, so really? Okay. You think?
2: <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty obsessed with Philip Glass too, but <laughs> <laughs> not to the degree John is. <laughs> oh.
0: All right, Katie, you want to yeah, take it away Yeah, so with our we other had um
1: a submission from Chuck and this was this is actually a passage at the very end of Return of the King. Um so if by any chance you uh don't want anything spoiled, turn turn your ears off for just a few minutes, I guess. <laughs> um but anyway, uh I I it's it's actually a pretty long passage, so I'm not going to read the entirety of it, but basically it's uh it again at the end of return of the king and it's uh when they're kind of at the great havens um and it's from the point of view is, of sam and it's pretty great the part of it that i'm going to quote here for us is the part that i think is just the prettiest and yeah definitely brings a little bit of a tear to the eye uh so um it's frodo basically saying farewell to his dear friends and uh Let's see. where Okay. Um, this, just this last image of the ship, I think, is one of the, the nicest things about this passage. He says, And the ship went out into the high sea and passed on into the west until at last, on a night of rain, Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that, as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back, and he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. And <laughs> honestly, right? If, if that doesn't make you tear up, I don't know what will. Uh, it's just... And the entire scene in itself, again, like when 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 we get to this passage, or when you when you read this passage for yourself, it, I, the the whole thing, of course, is a wonderful emotional build up as it is. But that particular bit of writing there is just, I don't know, there's something so deeply touching and um, uh, comforting about it.
2: Should I come back now?
1: <laughs> you can come back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So now on to uh, to our passages that we selected. Yeah,
0: how about you take it away, Chase?
2: Yeah, I actually have one from the Two Towers. Because so far, Two Towers has been... Has had some of my favorite small bits to it. Stuff I can easily pull out. And I remember this being a section that stuck with me ever since uh, ever since we read it mm-hmm. and it is fr- in book three it's in chapter tree beard um i don't remember the number <laughs> uh but it's in the Treebeard chapter, chapter three, tree beard. yeah and it's when they're about to march onto isengard actually and there's this pa- there's a song that the Ents are singing that stuck with me and i think it was my favorite thing that week when we recorded the episode but i want to read that it's To Isengard, though Isengard be ringed and barred with doors of stone. Though Isengard be strong and hard, as cold as stone and bare as bone. We go, we go, we go to war to hew the stone and break the door. For bowl and bow are burning now, and the furnace roars, we go to war. To land of gloom, with with tramp of doom, with roll of drum, we come, we come. To Isengard, with doom we come, with doom we come, with doom we come. I also really liked reading that part because Mm -hmm. it works well with my deep voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they sang as they marched southwards.
1: Yeah, and that was, again, that was the moment that we had talked about, too, with basically the end saying, so we may be going to our death, but at least this would be a death
2: worth. So far, that has been my favorite Mm-hmm. We have read throughout this podcast because this has been because I can't, There, there's a limit to my knowledge of this stuff, obviously. And there was nothing in the Silmarillion that really stuck out to me. There was some stuff from The Hobbit, particularly the very end, I was thinking about, but it ultimately came down to that section.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for me, I had this realization that I wanted to quote something from The Silmarillion, <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute. When I moved, I left my copy of the Silmarillion at home and I was like very like annoyed with myself. And then like fifteen seconds later, I was like, wait a minute, I work in a bookstore. <laughs> this isn't this isn't a problem. So uh for me I chose a section and actually really, really enjoyed rereading a bit of the Silmarillion. I was like so in the mood to do that, and I think I might just start rereading it again anyway. <laughs> uh I chose a section from the one of the last chapters in the Silmarillion* on the voyage of Irendil, and it's the bit where it's like the great 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 final battle and, and uh it says but Irendil came shining with white flame and about vingalot were gathered all the great birds of heaven and thorondor was their captain and there was a battle in the air all the day and through a dark night of doubt Before the rising of the sun, Erendil slew and Caligon the Black, the mightiest of the dragon host, and cast him from the sky, and he fell upon the towers of Thangorodrem, and they were broken in his ruin. Then the sun rose, and the host of the Valar prevailed, and well nigh all the dragons were destroyed, and all the pits of Morgoth were broken and unroofed, and the might of the Valar descended into the deeps of the earth." There Morgoth stood at last at bay and yet unvaliant. He fled into the deepest of his minds and sued for peace and pardon, but his feet were hewn from under him, and he was hurled upon his face. Then he was bound with a chain Angainor, with which he had worn aforetime, and his iron crown they beat into a collar for his neck, and his head was bowed upon his knees and the two silmarils which returned which remained to morgoth were taken from his crown and they shone unsullied beneath the sky and aeonwe took them and guarded them
2: I remember yeah. the section now now that I actually heard you read the whole thing out loud I remember the section because I remember a few weeks ago I was like I don't remember this thing with this dragon and then when you read it, I was like oh wait no I do yep, remember this Yep.
1: That yeah that everything goes down.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. It
1: does. Yeah, that that was like, you know, the big, I mean, there were several big, big moments within the Silmarillion, but that was, like, the big, big moment. Yeah. Um, well, and what I what I like about it so much
0: is that's just a paragraph, and there's not really very much description within that paragraph itself. Mm-hmm. But what has been set up has been set up so effectively that we don't need a lot of description because we already have this, this kind of world that exists. So it very effectively kind of culminates everything in a very beautiful way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole uh voyage of Arendel is there yeah, there's there's so many great things. Uh that whole story. Now I'm remembering it. I want to reread that story now too. <laughs> uh All
0: right. Well, Katie, you want to take it away. So
1: mine I I have two guys. I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> I I oh, couldn't Oh <laughs> no. Hey, it's I'm if, if we're you. allowed to have two,
0: then I'm going to just retroactively insert Bilbo and Thorin's last it's, conversation. Uh, yeah, okay. So it's
1: it's it's Tolkien reading day. I'm allowed to have two. And if I were allowed to have three, my third one would have been Thorin's dying words to Bilbo as well. So This is
2: like Thanksgiving having go. like an extra dessert.
1: Yeah, I get okay. to have an extra piece of I mean, pie
0: especially talking about mortality. Yeah. Thorin and Bilbo. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. That's one of, you know, so perfect. And again, so the ones that I chose, again, I wanted to choose some that uh, we didn't have to go too deep for because, th- again, there are, there's a multitude of other stuff out there, which I would love to uh, to expound upon later. But the ones that I picked, uh, the first one is from Fellowship of the Ring. It's from Chapter 2, um, The Shadow of the Past. And this is... You know, besides being a pretty great one on, you know, life in in, in general, it's also one of my favorite quotes from the entire book, pretty much. And it's, again, so this, in this chapter, Gandalf is kind of giving a lot of information to Frodo about the history of the ring. Um, And it's this particular quote that I adore. Frodo uh, is speaking to Gandalf at this time and says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And I think that's one of the things that has stuck with me so much from the entirety of of, of Tolkien's work. Um, yeah, uh, and, and it, it makes me think actually about that passage that... Uh, <laughs> the other john <laughs> had sent us earlier as well this kind of you know living living in the moment and also uh living with what you're given
2: i have to be honest re- hearing that bit again hearing that bit made me tear up yeah so. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: totally these i mean yeah it's so and again it's it's a gandalf quote you know me and gandalf quotes mm-hmm. um and uh speaking of gandalf quotes my second one <laughs> uh my second one is from the two towers Um, which we discussed uh, not too long ago, but again, it's Tolkien Reading Day, so I get to talk about it. And um, again, this is something that I think exemplifies the theme so well. And of course, it's in the chapter The White Rider um, when we have Gandalf come back. Um, Basically, that entire recount the 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 tale of his battle with the balrog was um just fascinating i think timeless yeah timeless um but let's see where is it yeah um and so again when he's kind of explaining uh to to the three hunters and i believe it's gimli who had asked him but gandalf you know where have you been and what happened and so gandalf kind of gives them as as Gandalfy of an answer as possible, with, of course, speaking in riddles and not entirely uh, straightforward. Um, But this particular passage is just perfect for this theme. Um, So he's talking about, you know, throwing down the Balrog as the end of this battle. Ice fell like rain. I threw down my enemy and he fell from the high place and broke the mountainside where he smote it in his ruin. Then darkness took me, and I strayed out of thought and time, and I wandered far on roads that I will not tell. And, of course, then he tells how he was sent back. Um, and this whole sort of concept of Gandalf having, you know, gone, gone through death and come back, and uh, his kind of very vague but at the same time poignant description of it, um has also been something that stuck with me throughout the years and i think it that whole like str- straying out of thought and time is like it's the perfect wording and it's such a very small again it's tiny it's a few words but it's, it's it was just perfection for me
2: yeah that's a incredible bit i definitely uh, <laughs> the the talking riddles bit cuz Again, I've talked in riddles before. (laughs) Extra talking in riddles to describe the infinite.
1: Yep.
0: All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for now. So, well, I mean, with this section, obviously not with the show. (laughs) So let's go on to book four of The Two Towers, chapter one, The Taming of Smeagol. So here we go. They're lost.
1: Yep. And who? Yeah. Who in particular? Oh, wait, not people.
2: Hobbits. (laughs) Uh hobbits are people
1: yeah hobbits, hobbits are people,
2: are people. <laughs> sam and frodo are wandering around in circles
1: wait what sam and frodo yeah what's what's, what's this we, These we talk two about knuckleheads again <laughs> just
2: boom just like three <laughs> days after leaving them at the at the at the what was it called, yes. was I called
1: at amon hen yeah that yeah mm-hmm.
2: um and they're wandering around in circles not very happy
0: so i did want to ask katie because i think katie would know if any of us where does this correspond to book three To book three um this is three days after they left is this like have the hobbits
1: already escaped um i don't believe so because i'm i'm fairly certain that the hobbits were captive with the orcs for nine days oh nine okay that's I a lot
2: think. longer than I recall. Um, yeah, the, that that whole section... Remember, they're running across the plains for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, really long time.
1: Yeah, I'm...
0: I should have looked this up. It was my own oversight. So anyway, yes. They're just like... Sam and Frodo are just wandering around the Imin wheel. And they keep on Going like, in circles. <laughs> getting lost and going in circles, having to turn around, finding dead ends.
1: And yeah, they...
0: And finally, they like come to a cliff,
1: right? Where so it's this cliff where once again we kind of get a very real glimpse at Mordor, which you know, if if we remember, we've the only people so f- at this point who really have seen a, like a tangible glimpse of uh, Mordor or of the Dark Tower or anything would be Frodo at Amon Hen, and then now Pippin through the Palantir. But now Frodo and Sam standing on this cliff, they look down, and there's this really great passage they can see down into mordor and of course there's no real way to descend this cliff at this moment but they can see it it's right there uh, and i really just love this passage so i want to share it it says uh south and east they stared to where at the edge of the of the oncoming night a dark line hung like distant mountains of motionless smoke every now and again a tiny red gleam far away flickered upwards on the rim of earth and sky and uh yeah that's their view they that's, can see their destination.
2: That's the one place we're trying to get to, and that's just yep. <laughs> where we can't get know-how.
1: Exactly. Yeah. They're in a pickle.
0: Well, I love how Frodo says, if I must go there, I wish I could come mm-hmm. there. Quickly yeah. And like it's in. this
2: Because they're in this like really rocky terrain and also they smell this like marsh swamp yeah sam notes that he smells it yeah there which probably smells like
1: it's not a pleasant place
2: i mean i've been to places in switzerland where sheep have gotten caught in marshes and have died (laughs) so i can kind of imagine to some degree what the smell is that they're smelling oh no and they probably and probably out here on the island there's probably worse creatures than sheep out here
0: what's it you opened like fridges after hurricane katrina and what you go to is oh Oh,
2: oh Uh, I'll, briefest of stories Yes, there was a Someone had caught a dolphin fish The <gasps> the day before Hurricane Katrina hit And I was doing disaster relief down there and We were pulling the freeze that had it This is three weeks after oh, no. With no power They had this big dolphin fish in there and imagine five guys about my size are trying to pull this thing off to the street and the tape around it cracked open and the door flung open. We all instantly got sick. Oh, no. That was a fun trip. I smelled some very interesting smells <laughs> so that it? trip.
1: So imagine that smells and that's what's coming off the marches. Yeah. yeah. The marshes. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> so they kind
0: of turn away from the cliff and they're wondering if they have any food. And Sam's like, oh, we only we have limbus. I never thought I grew tired of this, but I, I've, I've grown tired of this. Right. Because really, their like... first
1: taste of it their first taste of it was, was, was so great. You know, they were like, Oh, this this is this is magnificent. But you, you you know when even if even if you have your favorite food uh that you that you really like to eat, if you eat it nonstop and only that for a long time, you'd get sick of it. Exactly. That's <laughs> where they are with the lumbus. <laughs>
2: Eventually cheddary, garlicky, salty drop biscuits oh, will get will get sour after a while. Yep,
1: yep. And even then you can't stomach the taste.
0: And Sam, yeah. all he really wants is a hunk of bread and a, a mug of beer. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a loaf of sourdough proofing as we speak. I'm going to need it after well, we finish recording.
1: You're very far away from me, so there. Um, but yeah, you know, poor Sam, too. He's been carrying all of the cooking gear, but nothing to cook with it.
2: Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> I actually was like, why? Throw that away. What are you going to find out there?
1: Well, because, you know. No, I, still gotta have your cooking gear yeah right? I
2: could you, you, he, he probably has a cast iron skill that he loves to death It's probably super super seasoned
1: not gonna want to part with that yeah. very quickly uh, but yeah so they decide to camp and uh, additionally our you know Sam is continuing to worry about Gollum who as we know has been following them for quite some time at least since uh, well they, they saw him on the river but of course he's been following them since Moria Um, and they, so they, you know, the next day after they camp, they, they continue north along the cliff and finally they come to this spot that they think, oh, Hey, we may be able to climb down here.
2: Yeah. And it's kind of described as like slightly off from where they had previously been going as well. And the first, it's not
0: like a sheer drop. It's like kind of, it's, it's super steep, but there's a little bit of an angle to it.
1: Yeah, so they may be able to find some footing on the way down. Um, And and, and, Frodo says, Oh, oh, there's just, I was just going to say, there's this great little spat about who's going to go first,
0: which we just did ourselves. So (laughs) Frodo's like, I'm going to try it. And Sam says, Very
1: good, but I'm going first. So that I don't slip and fall on you and kill us both. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Sam just he said, well, I'm going first and, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do, Mr. Frodo, and starts climbing down and, uh, of course, was not even looking where he was going. So what does Frodo do but pull him back up? No, no, no. Oh, he
0: also says, no, no, Sam, you old ass. You'll kill yourself. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. And Frodo pulls him back to the surface and Frodo's like, OK, no, I'm going to climb down. And he starts climbing down uh, and everything's going all right. Um, And then this darkness comes over the sky, this huge darkness. And there's this big dark shape overhead, and wind, and like thunder, and lightning, and a horrendous noise that they've heard before, way back when, when they were first leaving Hobbiton in the Shire. A sound...
2: I wasn't fast enough. I was going to bring up my air horn <laughs> app on my phone, but no. <laughs> <laughs> just use your imagination.
0: You guys remember Vuvuzelas?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad they're not uh, a thing very much anymore. Um.
2: Yes. They hear this crazy sound, but yeah. And eventually they're getting they just get their skin crawlies all over them. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, it, does it start to rain about this point? Yeah. Not only does it rain, yeah. it also hails, which is...
1: Yeah. Well, think are, there's a crack of lightning. Yeah. And Frodo, of course, is tries to, to, to hide his face in fear because, again, this horrible sound that he's heard, which they're pretty sure they know what it is. So he wants to hide and starts to slip down. And yeah. Well, uh, what I
0: loved is it says involuntarily frodo loosed his hold yeah so here we have again kind of this power working over frodo that he he doesn't even realize right right um and he slips and thankfully there's a ledge not far beneath him but he kind of slips into an area where no light at all reaches and he wonders if he's gone blind by just like the sound of this this creature
1: right once again spooky stuff
0: so he's talking with Sam and they get like Sam's like, "Well, maybe I should come down." And Frodo's was like, "No, no. You know, don't do it." He says, "You're no uh, good if you don't have a rope." Exactly. <laughs> and Sam's like, "Oh. A high dimension." Oh,
2: that's right. I I stole one stole <laughs> one.
0: Actually, no, it is rope," cried Sam, talking wildly to himself in his excitement and relief. "Well, if I don't deserve to be hung on the end of one as a warning to numbskulls, you're not but a ninny-hanker," Sam Ninny hammer Sam Gamgee that's what the gaffer said to me often enough it being a word of his rope like I love that in the middle of this Sam is just like oh yeah the gaffer had this word it's called ninny hammer like that is not okay no it being a word of his that is part of Sam's dialogue that is not like
1: added to the text no this is yeah what Sam says out loud and can I just say I have missed Sam
2: yeah, I really did too. <laughs>
1: like, you know, again, I, you know, I, I adore Pippin and Pippin has kind of some similar-ish moments, you know, where he has like some ridiculous line and Mary does as well. But there's just a certain, there's a certain charm to Sam um, <laughs> and this this whole like talking to himself in the middle of kind of a, a minor crisis and, you know, calling himself a ninny hammer, which again, great word, ninny hammer. uh it's a word that i i i grew up using and continue to use and i think sam uses it well here (laughs) uh but yeah um sam takes this 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 rope that he had forgotten uh that he had taken from from the from the boats back at uh back at the banks of the river and manages to pull mr frodo up
2: and it's not just any rope. It's a pretty special rope. Right. It's really it's, just, it's really light. It's very soft. It's also got kind of a faint like silvery shimmer to it. Mhm. I thought that was very impressive. Very impressive. And it's also very Is it long?
1: I mean, it's it's yeah. It's pretty
2: long, it's
0: 30... yeah. 30 l's long what does that mean i'm not sure how long an l is. we'll have to
1: ask do we know uh, someone named
2: ellen is it the length of a person <laughs> named ellen and then some like 30 <laughs> of them
1: it must be some hobbit measurement with which we are not familiar
0: <laughs> yeah but i just love if you remember back to the parting um or the the company leaving Lothlorien. Sam name even says he's like oh yeah uh maybe of him many need Haldir one of those folks told me and he was right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also Sam was like oh man rope I'm so excited and Haldir is like you should have said something eight days ago we would have taught you
1: and additionally how you know since leaving the Shire Sam had been lamenting not having had a rope with him and now of course he, he has this 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 rope that the uh, Laan elves had given to him and uh good thing mr. frodo told him that he would be no use without a rope because who knows how long it would have taken Sam to remember oh yeah I have this great elf rope
2: noodles <laughs> this very beautiful rope
1: noodles yes noodles my beautiful rope because so yeah you know they, they he had pulled frodo up and so now they figure out okay this looks long enough we can lower ourselves down. And you know lash lash the rope to a tree, um Sam goes down first, uh frodo helps him, frodo lowers yeah, him yeah frodo down. lowers him down and then
0: frodo not trusting the rope to the extent that Sam trusts the rope, ties it around his waist, but a few feet shorter than he did for <laughs> Sam, thinking that way if he falls, he'll not splat on the ground be
1: <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> um, and yeah, so they make it down, show- but. <laughs> But but of course now,
2: oh, well, we're just gonna have to leave the rope here because I'm too dumb to figure out a way of like pulling it down.
1: And now Sam includes Frodo in the title of Ninny Hammer. He says Ninny Hammers, the both of us. And he says, noodles, my beautiful rope, which again, (laughs) noodles. What a great exclamation to make. (laughs)
0: Uh, That's the equivalent of my favorite exclamation
1: from a Huckleberry fan, which is, well, dog my cats. Dog my cats. Can I just uh, make a suggestion that we all start to use, well, dog my cats and noodles as exclamations in our own personal lives? I I, I think it'd be great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I will definitely be using noodles my vocabulary. (laughs) My vocabulary, not my vocabulary.
0: (laughs) So then Um, Sam is like sad. He's like, maybe Lady Galadriel made it herself, which of course she didn't, but whatever. No, 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 no. And then to the complete surprise of both hobbits... The rope just slithered down on top of them. They're like, oh, that's great. We got it back. And And it was great because
1: Sam gives this kind of tug on it as if to say goodbye. Right. And that's when. And so, yeah, to their great surprise, the rope just falls down and Sam like falls over and in surprise, of
2: <laughs> and it falls on top of him, just coiling up.
0: And Frodo is immediately kind of suspicious of Sam, being like, What kind of knot did you tie? <laughs> and yeah. Sam, being Sam, says, Why? My granddad and my uncle Andy after him, him that was my gaffer's eldest brother, he had a rope walk over by Tyfield many a year. And I put as fast a hitch over the stump as anyone could have done in the Shire or out of it. So, so some
2: garbagey, like the rabbit goes in the hole and meets its girlfriend and then comes back out, sort of garbage knot <laughs> thing.
1: No, I no, think, this is I a, think, I think it's Sam a legit tied knot. A very good knot. Yeah, Sam knows knots. Probably
2: did. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm with Frodo on this
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ye of little faith in our dear friend Samwise. <laughs> uh, Sam Sam knows his knots. And so then Frodo's like, well, maybe the rope broke. And so then Sam in, in inspects the ends of the rope. No, I don't think so, Mr. Frodo. I don't think it broke. Um, I think, Mr. Frodo, you should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam feels that the rope came to him when it was called. So it clearly feels that there's some sort of enchantment almost on this rope. Um
2: that knot was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with that.
1: Chase is still convinced that this is just not a good... I have faith in Sam.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh. then Sam is like, well, I think we laid quite the puzzle for Mr. Gollum. I don't know how he's going to be able to get down that cliff. <laughs> and they decide rather than go over the marshes and what is now moonlight, they're going to just like kind of catch their breath and rest now.
1: Because there's really nowhere to where where they can take shelter not it's, really it's it's just It's also still raining too the, the you know there was the this great bit about the the rock wall kind of frowning at them like a frowning rock wall I don't know uh yeah just just not not a pleasant uh place to be in so yeah they're they're kind of huddling in the cold and decide that they're going to kind of take a watch and you know Frodo says well I'll take I'll take the first watch and then he looks over and he says Sam Do you see what I see? Do you
0: see what I
1: see? uh. (laughs) Why? (laughs) But at any rate, they look up and both of them see this kind of insect-like, spidery, dark shape crawling down the face of the rock wall, which they had just so laboriously descended with the help of the rope. Explicitly
0: described as a spider, and we know how much Tolkien was a fan of spiders. Yes. Indeed.
2: But in reality, it's Gollum making his slow progress down the mountain head first mm-hmm. and sprawled out like just a weirdo. Just, <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's freaky deaky. <laughs> this part kind of creeped me out. I have to be honest. It weirded me out.
1: It should, you know, Gollum is an unsettling creature. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so they're, they're watching him and kind of, um, trying to huddle in their cloaks hoping that he hasn't seen them but then Frodo's like well maybe he heard us or maybe he can smell us yeah, uh because and- we
0: were pretty loud especially we were yelling when we were going down the cliff and communicating with each other so
1: right and uh Gollum continues down and then they can hear his voice and we of course we have this great like hissing um uh just ghastly voice that Gollum has and you know, he's talking to himself. Where is it, my precious? You know, and makes a reference to the thieves, the filthy little thieves. And where are they? Curse them. We hate them. And
2: just like Christopher Lee with Saruman, I can
1: only yes. hear Andy, Andy Circus. Circus. You yeah. can only hear Andy Circus with this voice. Yeah, which I can't do the Gollum voice. Nobody can do it as well as Andy Circus. Um, And Gollum seems to hear them whispering at this point, mm-hmm. um and then falls, yeah and once again, like a spider, it says like like a spider coiling its legs into itself, and and I probably uh,
2: imagine he like rasped or screamed or something when i don 't know oh yeah, and and like, I, <laughs> surely
0: and then one of those moments that kind of is presented as uncharacteristic for Sam, but we have learned by this point is actually very characteristic of Sam is Sam. Without even thinking, kind of leapt out and kind of latched onto Gollum trying to capture him. Trying to
1: tackle him. Mm -hmm.
0: And Gollum was like scratching and biting him. And all Sam could do was to butt his head into Gollum's face, which really hurts. If you've ever butt heads with someone, it hurts you as much as it hurts them. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But then Frodo comes up and pulls an old
1: friend out. (laughs) Our dear friend, Sting.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought you were going to say the rope or (laughs) something. I thought you were doing time with the rope noodles. Uh
0: <laughs> That comes in a minute. So yes, Frodo's exclamation point noodles. He's staying up to Gollum's neck and says, "You will recognize this and maybe this time I'll use it."
1: Mhm. And basically says, "I'll slit your throat if you don't free Sam." Um
2: Got a little dirty hairy there.
1: Yep. Uh and so again, this is uh, kind of a a very almost uncharacteristic moment for frodo as well with kind of a very violent um thing that he's threatening to do
2: well he's already shown hostility about or towards oh yeah uh golem already yeah the whole
1: yeah um but at the same time you know just this he's he's very fierce and 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 uh quick to threaten violence at this moment and so now, Gollum kind of changes and is starts whimpering and pleading with them, and uh, says he wasn't trying to hurt them. <laughs> well, and, which,
0: what I loved is is the reason why Frodo backs off is is that he, the memory of that conversation he had with Gandalf about you know who deserves ex- death and exactly, you
1: know, y- y- yeah, and it says you know and additionally that Gollum kind of immediately had become this. Like whimpering creature before him and saying that you know he'll be nice if the hobbits are nice and yeah Frodo remembers Gandalf's words about pity and you know it pity Bilbo didn't kill Gollum when he had the chance and 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 Gandalf saying that pity was what stayed his hand and that pity and mercy are, um, uh, very important qualities to have and that it's not. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, sure, yeah, maybe Gollum did deserve to die, but Bilbo didn't feel that it was his um, decision to make.
0: Well, and also, like, the the reciprocal is you can't choose to restore life to those who have died, so why should you choose to take it from those who haven't?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's at this moment that Frodo realizes he can't hurt Gollum, and that he he does pity him. He's a pitiable and pitiful creature. Um. And yeah, and Gollum kind of very much agrees with this. He says, "Yes, wretched we are, precious." He whined and um, says, "You know, hobbits won't kill us, nice hobbits." And Frodo's like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to kill you, but uh, we're not going to let you go either." And
2: we're going to put a leash on you. You well,
1: yeah, he says, "You need you need to make a promise that I can trust. Um, if you know, if 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 you want us to be nice to you, you need to." show me that that I can trust you. And so then Gollum, of course, um again has this he Gollum changes very quickly and starts having this clear internal struggle with himself. Um and he demands Frodo demands that Gollum help them and lead them to Mordor. And uh, so again, Frodo is kind of like flat out honest with Gollum at this point. And it's at this point, the Gollum starts seeming like really tormented. And once again, his voice changes and he has this sort of internal struggle with himself and um, leave me alone, leave me alone. Um, And Frodo, I I think Frodo realizes what's going on because he tells, he says to Gollum, Says he will not go away or go to sleep at your command, Smeagol. But if you really wish to be free of him again, then you must help me. And I fear, uh, and that I fear means finding us a path towards him. But you need not go all the way, not beyond the gates of his land. So, um, Frodo recognizes this torment that Gollum has of of uh, going back towards Mordor and toward the toward the Dark Lord. Um, and again is pitying him and kind of sees this, these two uh, different sides of Gollum that seem to be warring with each other. Um, At times we hear Gollum and at times we hear Smeagol. And I think Frodo catches on to that very quickly.
0: So after Gollum kind of consents to lead them, Frodo says, you know, It is late, we're tired, but if you prefer to travel by night, we can set out now. And Gollum says, well, the light hurts my eyes, but even the light of this moon hurts my eyes, so let's wait until the the moon goes down. Right. So we might as well rest for a moment. So Frodo and Sam consent to this. And they kind of lay back and close their eyes.
1: But at the same time, they have this unspoken agreement between them. They still don't trust Gollum.
0: So Gollum, quite predictably, then just... Leaps and bounds away, but as Katie said, Frodo and Sam kind of understood that this was going to happen, so they leap back up at him, on him, and decide to tie him up using noodles. The (laughs) (laughs) roof, noodles
2: (laughs) exclamation point.
1: And yeah, and this instantly seems to cause Gollum quite a bit of pain, and he screams and cries out. It hurts
2: us. It freezes us. Which weirded me out. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's oh, actually, I misspoke. It's at this point now that so yeah, Frodo real, seems to realize it's it's the rope that's hurting Gollum. He says, "I won't untie you unless I can trust you." And he, now he says, "You need to make a, a a promise that I can trust." And it's at this point that Gollum, um, says that he will swear on the precious he swears
2: on the precious, even though he's also he has used precious a lot in this section mm-hmm. um referring to my precious mm-hmm. almost like he is precious it's all over the place
1: yeah gollum and and precious is i mean that's his word <laughs> um but yeah it's you, you know and this this speech- speech pattern that he has, yeah, it's you know he he will sometimes refer to himself, he's often referring to the ring, yes
2: i i have a theory that's working in my brain right now okay (laughs) but i'm gonna hold on to it for a little while okay (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right um and yeah so uh, anyway so he says Smeagol will swear on the precious and that right there is a very serious swear to make and frodo recognizes it and uh you know he said Gollum is swearing to be good um and and then, then frodo kind of uh, tells him you know you know don't don't swear on it swear by it um, and you know he, he knows too he says i i know you want the i know you want it um, and i know you know where it is but uh, you you're, you're not going to get it and i really enjoyed kind of sam's perception of frodo here because sam is watching this all go down and sam of course does not trust gollum as far as he can throw him And, uh, he has, he, he's watching this exchange go on and it seems that Frodo has grown and Gollum has kind of shrunk before him and that Frodo, the wording here is so great. It says, Frodo, um, a tall, stern shadow, a mighty lord who hid his brightness in a gray cloud and at his feet, a little whining dog. Yet the two were in some way akin and not alien. They could read, they could reach one another's minds. So, yeah, where, once again, you know, Frodo is in this very strange sort of like master position now and seems to have grown and Gollum is this whimpering, pitiable thing before him. But at the same time, Sam can see the similarity between them, too, um, which is a very important point to make.
0: It's like a, it's kind of visually it's a throwback to Gandalf Mm -hmm. confronting Bilbo. About Bilbo then surrendering the ring, but then it's recast in this very very different light because it's not it's not Gandalf and Bilbo, it's Frodo and Gollum, and they're both kind of being corrupted or have been corrupted by the ring. So I, I just like the way that it it takes this kind of previous right and through
1: and Sam's perception it. as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and Gollum once again swears to serve Frodo, and it does seem sincere. At this at this point, and Frodo seems to believe him, and so now Sam does release him from this this rope, um, and now it, it's said that, you know, at, at this time Gollum seems to change quite a bit, and that seems to last for a while. Um, it says, uh, and that Gollum is often kind of friendly and really wants to please them, um, and that he will kind of occasionally revert back to this weird like hissing and and you know talking to to himself or seeming to argue with himself but that gollum has an entirely different um air about him now
0: yeah and kind of with that frodo now trusts gollum and decides that He will
1: follow. set
2: off down and down and down. Yeah. And, And,
1: yeah, Gollum says, yeah, he's going to lead them on this way that orcs don't know. So there we are. We're set set off uh, with our other set of protagonists that we had (laughs) not seen in quite a while. (laughs) Yep,
2: They were well missed.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, favorite moments.
1: Um, mine, I think, is when. Uh, so again, when Gollum is having this kind of inner turmoil and uh, doing his precious speak to himself, um, going, and it's you know after Frodo has told him you need you're going to lead me to Mordor, and uh, Gollum is pretty much freaking out, <laughs> and that Frodo uh, telling him. Um, you know, he will, he will not go away at your command, Smeagol. And if you want to be free, you need to help me. Um, so again, Frodo clearly wants to help Gollum. He pities him and he clearly wants, at, even at this moment, wants to hope that he can help this poor creature. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, you know maybe you can be free of him, but you need to do something good. Um, that good things will come by right of good. And uh, yeah, it f- I just really like that Frodo kind of offering, offering that to Gollum.
0: For me, I already read it. It was just that moment where where Sam is like thinking out loud and explaining how Ninny Hammer is one of the guy words.
1: <laughs> Ninny Hammer, such a great word.
2: Oh, me? hmm yes. Noodles, my beautiful rope. <laughs> That's it. That 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 was the part that noodles exclamation point. Beautiful rope.
1: Noodles.
2: That was my favorite thing. I laughed out loud when I read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, we, we've missed Sam. <laughs> yes, we have. Very
2: much missed Sam.
1: Uh, All right. Well,
0: any favorites outside of the book?
2: I have a big one. After, yes. after two to three weeks, um, I've, uh, I guess it's been out, I saw Zootopia.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I
1: have too.
2: It is the most dense Disney movie to have ever been made. There are layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of metaphors going on, but they all come right back to the same thing, which is... Treat people like you'd want to be treated yourself, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, a lot about intersectionality hmm. and stuff like that. Like not just like very much from the early trailers. If you've not heard about this movie, it's this world where predators and prey have cultivated a civilization together and are living together in harmony, mm-hmm. but the, still the prejudice lines still exist. In a way of people, of of ad- certain animals as prey, being fearful of predators and so on and so forth. And it focuses on this rabbit named Judy Hopps, who is my favorite character so far this year because she feels so much like myself, who is a rabbit. <laughs> and she really wants to be a police officer. And her parents say to her in the first bits of the movie, there's never been a rabbit police officer. And she's like, oh. Well that'll be the first. And then they're like, But it'll be very hard. He's like, Oh, that'll be fun. And they're like, You don't get it <laughs> and it's all about like one, about like her trying to go after her dream and do that, as well as realizing that everyone else has dreams and also dreams are very hard, and at the same time people need to be respected. And sometimes you say dumb dumb things without thinking about it that you need to be told every once in a while that you've been dumb, that you've been insensitive. That you've been problematic, and people need to tell you that every once in a while. And, you know, it's it's great. Like, it is great. And also, I cried through the entire movie. I need so. to see
0: it. I'm actually really surprised to hear all this positive acclaim, because the tra- the marketing for the movie was so awful.
2: Yeah. There was only one trailer that made me kind of go, that had this, like, element of, she's the first rabbit police officer. i like, Interesting. Mm -hmm. there might be something to that. Didn't realize there was like a gold mine behind that because every aspect of the movie has something. It's specifically like referencing of like that. You can like point. It's like this is about racism. Mm -hmm. This is about like sexism. This Mm -hmm. is about transphobia. This is about homophobia, like Mm -hmm. so much stuff that you can read into. And I was like, like floored throughout the entire movie, how they kept doing that. Even like aspects of the story, the way they wrap up, I was like, Oh, they just made a commentary about the political process right now in America. Wow! Well, like, it's it's, kinda, it's remarkable.
1: It's kind of like one of those movies where the trailer was not advertising really the movie as it is. It's the most timely. Like we were advertised a different movie. <laughs> it's
2: the most timely animated movie I've ever seen. But too. it
1: ended up being better. <laughs>
2: like, there's there's like one line in particular that someone says in a passing that made me go, "Wow!" Like this movie needed to come out now. Like Mm -hmm. I can't believe all the stuff that's in, that's going on in this movie.
1: Cool. Yeah. I should go see it. It's the best movie so far this Uh, year easily. So
0: for me, it's another movie as well. Nothing really unexpected or shocking, but I saw and highly enjoyed 10 Cloverfield line. So yeah,
2: I want to see that.
0: I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, I would talk, I, I would talk more about it, but there's kind of a general consensus to not really reveal any, specific information i will say there is one character moment that is like to me came off as incredibly um like it It felt at first like it was a feminine like it they chose what is supposed to be a f- female stereotype and it felt like they were making fun of it but then it flipped around and became like such a major part of her character that enabled her to survive in a really amazing way so
2: I had the movie spoiled for me so I know what you're talking about and I do think that was actually a pretty cool clever thing.
0: Oh okay. Well, I'm sorry you had it spoiled.
2: I'm not too disappointed about spoilers anymore in my life. I've stopped <laughs> I've stopped caring. But you don't spoil it for anyone else in the listenership.
0: <laughs> Spoiler, it was Reverend Richard Gain Richard, Richard, Richard Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Gary, Gary Wayne. Wayne the whole time.
1: <laughs> oh no. Uh, All right,
0: Katie, you want to take us into a home play? I don't.
1: I don't know if I have anything. Actually, I'm sorry, guys. i I feel like I had a boring week. I don't have. I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, so we we actually yeah no we played it. We played a card game the other day. Uh, that was that's really fun. Actually, we played. I played it like twice in the past week, and uh, it was so much fun. It's called Snake Oil. Yes, it's what played the one we played last night. Yeah. Um. So it's this game called Snake Oil, and it's basically like take you know like a cards your cards against humanity or apples to apples kind of kind of same style of game but basically what it is is you, somebody draws a card and they're a customer and then the rest of us have you know like six cards to choose from in our hand and they're just completely random things and you take two of those cards and then you try to sell the customer some dumb object based on like what they are so like you know if you're the customer is like a politician or whatever and then in your mm-hmm. ca- hand you have like Bicycle Banana flange. Towel Yeah or something like that No we'll like just that. go to and the We'll to... go
2: to the best one Of the entire night Which was played by me Knife tank
1: Knife tank Yeah <laughs> Which I forgot what I was
2: You were a runaway I was a runaway And I said you were going to obliterate everybody with knives <laughs> A storm of knives from the knife tank
1: But basically it's just its Yeah, you get together And it's all of your friends Basically making infomercial pitches at you Of things that you don't need Because they're selling you snake oil And yeah, it's 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 a really fun party game Fun game to play with friends So I highly recommend it
2: Danger Hat from a friend of ours was pretty good too
1: Danger Hat was pretty good That was yeah. pretty good Um, one, one we did, uh, there was, oh, there was one time I, I was a party host and a couple of things were pitched at me. Uh, the first thing that was pitched at me was glitter pony. And (laughs) that, I mean, that was an automatic win basically being, you know, that it was pitched to me, glitter pony, how could you go wrong? But then like, right at the last second one of our friends slipped in with dance grenade um <laughs> that's and the dance that's what came from? that's what dance grenade wow, came from. Okay. yeah wow. so i mean as much i need to get this as game. much as glitter pony would make me the hostess with the mostest of a party i had to go with dance grenade so yeah you every i, I think you need this game it's a great party game it's super fun it's super dumb it's great <laughs>
2: Yeah, emphasis on dumb, but yeah. we like some dumb stuff. We, yeah, so.
1: we do. We, we like really dumb stuff. I mean, you should see
2: our names when we play Jackbox <laughs> games. Like, well, we, we're into some dumb stuff. <laughs> Just oh, follow us yeah. on Twitter. We're into some dumb stuff.
0: That's very true. That's why we're friends. It is. <laughs> so with that, uh, wrapping the show up. Katie, you want to thank our patreon subscribers which i actually remembered this yes i'm so proud of you i feel like every time i forget and then i feel real bad (laughs) so
1: yay so yeah once again thank you so much to our patreon supporters um uh once again we are very very close to our next goal of new editing equipment and we are so so appreciative of everyone who is able to help contribute to us to keep uh to keep us afloat um so thank you very much to man devon ariel arm Brian Osborne, Ji Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. We appreciate you all so very much.
0: I also appreciate Micah's Instagrams of his pugs.
1: I mean, pugs are pretty majestic.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. Oh, and Chase is Chase. Yeah, I'm Chase, Sorry. but... I did forget. <laughs> Next week, we're reading chapter two of book two of The Two Towers. Oh, wow. The Passage
2: of the Marshes.
1: Uh, and once again, a very happy Tolkien reading day to you all tomorrow.
2: <laughs> yes, it's, Sorry it's tomorrow. Sorry for getting
0: off, Chase. You can, I'm you can chase your funny quip if you want. I didn't have all a right.
2: quip. I just, I'm Chase.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good, have a good day. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to theprofessor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show.
1: We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience.
2: We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far.